Hi, thanks for downloading the next chapter of The Butcher. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to buy the full audiobook at a discounted price, you can head over to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio. Alternatively, you can buy a full price copy at any audiobook store. The Butcher is also available on Kindle Unlimited, ebook and print format, all via Amazon. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 7 Emily stared at the screen in front of her, chewing at the end of her pencil. She wrapped her fingers on the desk while she tried to think of something to type. Something that didn't make her look like a complete idiot. When she'd finished the report on the Wong Wei episode, she'd left the part about being chased off the premises by a little Chinaman with a machete out of it. That part of the visit, Emily had decided, wasn't that relevant to the environmental health assessment. Seeing as Mr Wong hadn't mentioned it, Emily couldn't see a reason for her to either. The inspection Emily was trying to write up had been of a mobile kebab van that was parked up the road from Carrow Road, Norwich City's football stadium. It was only ever parked there on match days when the local football team, the Canaries, were playing at home. There had been several reports over the past few weeks of fans having diarrhoea and vomiting after eating from the van and the Environment Agency had decided to investigate. It was only after a local radio journalist from Canary FM couldn't do the usual post-match phone-in as he couldn't get away from the toilet that the Environment Agency had got properly interested. They had tried the interview from the toilet, but it hadn't gone well. As the kebab van only had two people working in it, Mr Clayton had assigned it to Emily. Norwich City's rise to the Champions League, helped no doubt by the fact that most of their European players hadn't had their work visas extended after Independence Day, had been rapid and unexpected. The influx of young footballers from the rest of the world had propelled the Canaries upward and brought with it a much larger following. This, in turn, brought with it a lot of people determined to make money from them, such as the owners of Kevin's Kebabs. The van had started life as Kevin's Kebabs, but a grammar pedant had added a positive apostrophe with a marker pen the first time it had parked up. Thinking back, Emily wasn't sure which of the two swarthy North African-looking men was called Kevin, as she hadn't been in the van long enough to find out. The visit had started out reasonably well. She'd gone to the van just as they opened up, introducing herself, and had begun working through the checklist. The two men seemed nice enough, and to be fair to them, she didn't see a great deal wrong with her setup. It wasn't the tidiest or the cleanest kebab van Emily had been in, but it's far from awful. Emily was waiting for her temperature probe to warm up so that she could measure the hot plate when her concentration was interrupted. Burger and chips, please, plenty of onions. Emily looked up to see a young man standing at the window of the van, a yellow scarf wrapped around his neck, even though it's late summer. Yellow, Emily remembered, was the team colour. Oh, sorry, Emily replied with a smile. I don't work here. She glanced across at the kebab van owners, who were both looking at her with deadpan expressions. Why are you in the van, then? The football fan asked. Come on, love, I'm starving. Just give me a burger and chips. Emily looked behind him. A few more fans were making their way towards the stadium, and the bright yellow queue was beginning to form. It was a pretty straight split of people with children and young men. The only thing uniting them was their Norwich City colours. Emery removed her probe and walked 
all of the two steps across to the owners. Can you serve this lot, please? she asked them. To her dismay, they both seemed to have lost their previous command of the English language. One of them shrugged his shoulders and looked at the other, who returned the gesture. Oi! A loud voice came through the open window of the van. Oi! I want a hot dog! Emily walked back to the window. I don't work here, OK? she said. What's going on, Dave? A man at the back of the queue shouted. The customer at the front turned round. Dunno, mate. Says she doesn't work here. What's she doing in the van, then? No idea. But she's got a white coat and hat on and everything. As the fan at the back of the queue shouted this, Emily heard a group of fans singing up from the road to her left. Almost as one, the fans in the queue turned to look in the direction of the singing. Here come the pizza eaters, boys, the man at the back shouted, looking around with his fists clenched. Let's be having you. Emily watched, incredulous, as the fans separated into two groups. The ones with children ran down the road towards the stadium. The young men ran up the road towards the singing. As they disappeared from her view, Emily could hear them chanting, Delia's Yellow Army, at the top of their voices. As I attempted to complete the inspection of Kevin's kebabs, a small episode of football hooliganism occurred in the vicinity of the catering van, Emily typed, her tongue between her teeth. I was unable to complete the inspection due to the presence of opposing supporters, followed by riot police with batons and copious amounts of tear gas. That'll do, Emily muttered as she saved the report and grabbed her coat from the back of her chair. By the time she walked into the murderous pub 20 minutes later, Emily had convinced herself that nothing would come of the report as far as the Environment Agency was concerned. It was hardly her fault there had been a massive punch-up, and it was only when the police turned up on horses that things got really nasty. Fair credit to the Norwich fans, though. It was the only time Emily had ever seen fresh horse manure being used as a weapon. Once she had got a drink from the bar, Emily walked around the pub looking for a flatmate, Catherine. The place had been a pub forever, and was full of wooden beams, tiny alcoves with one or two seats, and some proper hardcore drinkers. Emily finally found Catherine huddled in a corner of the pub, nursing what looked like a tonic water. Knowing Catherine, as Emily did well, it wouldn't just be tonic water in the glass, but also a significant amount of gin. Hello, babes, Emily said, dropping into a chair next to her friend. How are you? Emily looked at Catherine, dismissing the flash of irritation that she always felt when she looked at her best friend. Emily knew that Catherine didn't regard her as an ugly sister, but that's how Emily felt. Catherine could wake up after a massive night out, stumble into their shared kitchen with smeared makeup, bedraggled hair, and the mother of all hangovers, and still look amazing. Bitch. Hey, you, Catherine replied, offering her cheek for an air kiss. You're looking? Catherine's eyes flickered over Emily's trouser suit. Butch. Emily laughed. So, what's new? Haven't seen you for ages. Since Emily had started at the Environment Agency, she'd been getting up before Catherine and was in bed way before flatmate had come back. To say Catherine was a bit of a night owl was an understatement. Not seeing each other was one of the reasons they'd arranged to meet in the pub, to catch up properly. Yeah, so far so good, I think, Emily said. I'm doing my own inspections anyway. Really? Catherine replied, looking at Emily as she took a sip of her drink. How are they going? Emily looked at Catherine, who was wearing a completely blank expression, 
and spent the next few minutes telling her about the visit to the Chinese takeaway. When she got to the bit about the machete, Catherine's jaw dropped. They sat in silence for a few seconds before Catherine's face creased up. Sorry, I'm so sorry, she said, putting her hands across her face and rocking with laughter. Emily sat back in her chair and folded her arms, watching her friend's shoulders jerking up and down. Who have you been talking to? Emily asked. I can't say, Catherine replied, her voice muffled by her hands. I promised I wouldn't say a word. Despite herself, Emily felt a smile creep onto her face. Catherine's laughter was infectious. What have you heard? Emily asked. Honestly, I can't say, Catherine replied, removing her hands from her face and waving them in front of her eyes. Let me get you a drink, though. Same again? Catherine pointed to Emily's half-empty glass. Go on, then, Emily replied. Do you want anything to eat? Catherine asked. She paused for a few seconds. Kebab, maybe? It was Emily's turn to laugh. Piss off and get me a vodka and coke. Emily was checking her phone a good ten minutes later, wondering where Catherine had gone, when her flatmate returned with the drinks. She put them down on the table with a thump, and Emily looked at her friend. Any laughter on her face had long since disappeared. If anything, Catherine looked very pissed off. What's up, mate? Emily asked. Who's upset you? Catherine nodded in the general direction of the bar. I was waiting at the bar, standing next to a couple of blokes, and while I was waiting to be served, I kind of overheard their conversation, she said. Which ones? Emily asked, craning her neck so she could see past her friend. Don't stare, for God's sake, Catherine said. Middle of the bar, one in a nasty red check shirt, one in a cheap suit. See them? Emily nodded. Yeah, I've got them. Red check has got his back to us, but cheap suit looks okay. No, they're both twats, Catherine replied. How come? Cheap suit was having a go at his mate about a message that red check had sent. Apparently, it was in the middle of a really important meeting. Something to do with Kirsty or something in accounts. Emily looked at the two men at the bar, neither of whom were looking back at them. Catherine had a habit of sticking her nose into other people's conversations, and it didn't always go well. So what? Emily asked. Well, the message wasn't sent from Kirsty or Katie or whatever her name was. It was from Red Check pretending to be her. He got onto her computer and sent Cheap Suit a message, thanking him for giving her a good scene to, and it popped up in the middle of some meeting. Oh, right, Emily said looking again at the two men. Well, that is kind of funny. It bloody isn't, Emily. That's proper rude, that is. Imagine if it was you. As Emily considered her reply, the young man in the cheap suit glanced across in their direction, and she got a good look at him for the first time. He took in his boyish good looks, tousled hair, and vaguely bemused expression. I should be so lucky, she muttered under her breath, as she took a large sip of a drink. Hi again, Nathan Burroughs here. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder, if you're interested in buying the full audiobook, head to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio or any audiobook store.